In today's episode of HR Visionaries, we're going to speak to Shanti from SRI. We're going to talk about how to hire for a non-profit organization. Stay tuned. Welcome to HR Visionaries, where we unlock the secrets of modern HR. I'm Benjamin, your host. Join us as we shed light on today's HR universe with HR leaders and innovators from across the globe. Whether you're an HR pro, a business leader, or just curious about the future of work, this is your shortcut to the forefront of HR innovation. Brought to you by Hired, the AI talent attraction platform. Welcome to our latest episode of HR Visionaries. I'm looking forward to my guest today. Shanti, thanks a lot for taking the time. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Shanti, could you tell us in five or six sentences, who are you? Um, I My name is Shanti Krishnan and I work for um, a renowned research institute called SRI International, which is based out of Menlo Park, California. And I lead the HR technology and operations team at SRI. Um, so I um, I kind of, uh, I'm one of the decision makers um, and um, leaders in the HR team. Can you tell us a bit more about SRI? So it sounds very sophisticated what you guys do. Absolutely. SRI is a renowned uh, nonprofit research institute um, and its headquarters, as I said, in Menlo Park, California. And we have offices throughout the US and in Japan. And SRI works with governments, universities, um, startups, big techs, and VCs to create technologies and bring them to the market. So basically, from lab to um, the you know to the uh, society, end to end product development. It sounds pretty interesting. Given um, well, obviously um, in California you do have many tech companies, um, uh, many very. Uh, world-renowned universities. So it's uh, probably an interesting ecosystem. Absolutely, yeah. We partner with, as I said, uh, academia and with uh, you know, government projects. So we, are, uh, we have presence in uh, Menlo Park. We also have a big presence in Princeton and in Washington, D.C. Um, so covering the various um, you know, areas of uh, research and development. Shanti, you mentioned you are an HR leader at a nonprofit organization. How can I picture your role um, in a nonprofit organization compared to a for-profit organization? Some of the differences with a profit to a nonprofit organization uh, in the HR world is um, basically planning and budgeting our resource and our are targeting our um, our businesses around the research projects that we have and uh, basically uh, providing HR support and um, you know, for the operational support for the various organizations to be successful. Even though we are a nonprofit organization, uh, we do have to have a certain amount of profitability mm -hmm. to be successful and attract the world-class leaders as we do, researchers as we do. Um, so we provide uh, uh, operational environment for our various uh, uh, departments, uh, divisions and organizations to be successful in doing what they do best. Uh, so that's our main focus in HR. I, I think it's incredibly interesting, given, as you mentioned, in uh, well, you're based in California, you're based in Princeton. Um, so you 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 are where all the big tech companies are that then obviously also well 
are partners, but at the same time, they you also compete uh, for this for the same talents. Yes. So there are some unique features about SRI that kind of brings talents to us. Um, you know, so um, our um, we obviously have. Uh, you know, close ties with academia and research and as well as a government project. And we have the unique uh, capability of basically uh, translating our lab research into real world applications and provide a partnership. Um, you know, we, we provide the part leaders and the brain power for a lot of the research and development organizations within the university and in the, in, in the industry sectors. Um, so our researchers often see their accomplishments out of the lab and into the world through commercial development, um, you know, commercialization. So an example for that would be a Siri technology, which was developed at SRI, and it's spun out as a startup and was eventually brought, bought out by Apple. And today, everybody knows what Siri is. <laughs> so um, that's a pretty good example of who we are as an organization. And that. Uh, um, you know, our mission um, drives, uh, you know, it, it, we are pretty influential in the industry. Um, so we do compete for talent, and uh, but we also win out because of um, the uh, environment that fosters research and development. Um, well, it, it's, I think, super, super interesting that we can talk today, given, um, I think, for most outsiders, this world of, um, well, uh, research institutes that collaborate with, um, well, the economy, uh, collaborate with universities. Um, it's it's kind of an uh, it's it's kind of an unknown world to me. I must I must admit, given um, well, you for sure know, know that well. There are universities, there are companies, but well, the in between is kind of an unknown area to me. So therefore, I'm. I'm Really excited we can talk today, given it's probably also important in your daily work to convince the greatest minds to join you as an organization and not to join um, a free uh, enterprise or to, to join, um, well, universities. Yeah, so, you know, um, we are in a unique space uh, where we prioritize social impact over profit fostering you know, mission-driven approach to research. So our, uh, our researchers are committed to um, making a difference in the world. Um, so it, it basically, um, you know, our organization um, fosters commitments to innovation and collaboration and addressing global challenges, which makes it unique and distinctive. Um, in, in the market and we are, um, we are we have trendsetters as part of our organization and um, so they all have a common passion to create novel technology and services that solve big world problems. Um, for example, we have researchers working on climate change, on AI and trust and safety, uh, on quantum technologies and more, as well as in uh, innovations in education um, research and technology. So we have wide range of uh, people focused on different uh, areas of expertise. Um, those are our various divisions and we support um, that they are able to function 
to the best of their abilities and find the best resource for the various age, um, divisions. We also are very um, unique in the sense that we have people spending their entire career lifespan at our organization. Um, we have people straight out of college join us and build 30, 40, 50 year tenure at SRI. And um, so there's something unique about the organization that makes them want to stay and continue to, um, you know, progress and, you know, feel, um, feel that they are accomplishing things, especially in a dynamic market space like uh, where we are um, in the high-tech industry uh, area and, you know, and in uh, well, in Princeton, it's like the research area. So um, that's pretty unique about our organization. It does get challenging, but we also win out with the best of our, um, best of the folks that we retain. Well, um, you, you mentioned several times it's about purpose, it's about impact. Um, how important is, that when you communicate to to talents that it's very much about purpose it's about impact about social impact about climate change impact at sri so uh you know uh, it is uh, we we direct our uh, talent uh, our future talent we do um our our talent acquisition team does um uh, recruiting events at various um, colleges and universities and um, and we also have uh, a lot of clout by the word of mouth, mm -hmm. you know, because we are pretty well known in the area that we are in. Um, so uh, we we get people uh, wanting reach out to us, wanting to work for SRI, and we are very lucky in that way that we are able to um, get that kind of. Um, you know, any initial commitment wanting to work and wanting to be part of SRI um, that we are able to pick and choose from. Um, but some of the things that we tell is uh, explain how SRI stands out mm -hmm. from other research institute due to being a nonprofit organization and be prioritized societal impact over profit. And uh, we also encourage collaboration across diverse fields, mm -hmm. and which eventually leads to innovative solutions and in addressing complex problems from multiple angles. And we also have a commitment, um, strong commitment of translating lab research into real world applications, um, which, which ensures that the discoveries uh, become tangible benefits uh, for society and make an impact in our economy. And, uh, you know, that's, uh, those are some of the uh, um, uh, imp uh, impactful statements that uh, attract the right resource to our organization. Super fascinating what, what you guys do. Um, can you tell us a bit more about uh, your own career? So um, your life prior to SRI? <laughs> Um, so my career is a little bit twisted along the way. I um, My background is in education. I kind of um, started in kindergarten and stopped uh, going to school when I 
completed my PhD in education. So I kind of went straight through um, from grade to grade and up and onwards. Um, I've always wanted to be uh, in a teaching uh, or, you know, which I now translate into a mentorship role. Um, I did teach for a few years um, in high schools and community colleges while I was starting my career and then took a brief break um, for family, uh, to grow my family. And when I returned back from my brief break, family break, and uh, was looking for a part-time position, um, I just was um, uh, deciding whether to go back to teaching or uh, change my career. And um, for uh, just because I had the opportunity, I signed up for a two-month crash course in programming and realized that I had a pretty good aptitude and instinct for coding and programming. So, and, and you know, that was a, a career that would allow for part-time and kind of like gig-like jobs. So I thought that could be something I could do until I'm ready to get back into a serious professional um, lifestyle. Um, Little did I know that that became my professional <laughs> lifestyle shortly. I did not take a part-time job. I ended up being a full-time resource, um, supporting, um, basically uh, um, supporting a, a company, a HR implementation, um, technology implementation project, um, which I did not know anything about, but I had a wonderful mentor who was the project manager. And he basically said, um, do everything that I say, and then it'll all go fine. I'll give you step-by-step -step instructions. As long as you can be consistent in pressing keystrokes, uh, you'll be fine. So um, <laughs> it was literally something like that that got me into HR area, but I got curious and learned to read code and understand code. And uh, eventually I kind of got myself um, in a comfortable state uh, of knowledge where uh, I felt comfortable being uh, in, in taking on um, work in the area. And I was able to join a consulting firm, uh, be their um, main HR technology um, analyst consultant, working with, of course, the leaders, because I was at a um, more in a junior mid-level position um, and um, grew in that role. Um, for about seven, eight years um, before I had the opportunity prior to SRI working for uh, in a fintech organization, um, First Republic Bank. And um, they had re recently divested from Bank of America and were looking to grow their own operational um, team. And um, they were looking to establish a technology operations team in the IT supporting their business operations, which were in, you know, uh, IT platform support. So I became part of the IT, but more and more, I guess, because of how that organization was in its growth phase, um, I had a pretty good um, a close partnership and interaction working with the various businesses, um, supporting HR, finance, uh, um, you know, pretty much the projects, all of the ERP, uh, I was managing with a small team supporting me, the ERP suites of application. And um, I got more interested in wanting to learn from the business side 
um, how the business uses the application as opposed to technology driving the business. So I did have the opportunity to then be part of the um, transition internally into the um, accounting, uh, finance accounting team and establish their operational function. Um, and as part of that, uh, one of the features of the operation function was payroll and through payroll, um, they were going through an implementation of a different platform, which I led that part um, and, and eventually became the owner of the platform of HR and payroll systems. Um, and that led me to becoming part of HR all within the same organization. I moved from IT to finance to HR um, into a leadership role, pretty much in HR established in HR, um, IS, HR operations team, um, which did not exist prior to me joining. Because I mean, that was a growing organization uh, also. So they were growing and establishing more specialized uh, teams. Um, as I grew, I worked more with the businesses, I realized um, I, I went into the business units, understanding what the technology can do. But um, I realized there was always a disconnect between the business organization and the IT team. The biggest disconnect being business felt like we have to take directions from IT and, and um, adjust our processes to match what IT offers as a solution. Um, to me, that was never an acceptable option. I was always like, we are here to serve. IT is a support operational team. Mm -hmm. Yes, we manage the platform, but we don't dictate how you do your mm -hmm. business HR, how you do your uh, business, perform your business functions finance. You tell us what you want to do and we'll make it happen for you through the technology. And that's been my approach. And so um, I, I, I believe in technology working for the business as opposed to business working with the technology. And so um, to this day, I follow that and I kind of, um, you know, after a while, um, I needed a change um, for different reasons and decided to uh, maybe take a break or be a self, uh, you know, um, consultant, um, uh, independent consultant for a while. Uh, and that's how I started at SRI as an independent consultant, um, uh, you know, uh, I guess, um, managing their uh, project of um, outsourcing their benefits platform to a third-party vendor. Um, at the end of that project, um, opportunity came for a full-time position. And by then I had been here, learned the team, learned the people, learned about the organization. And I changed my mind from being an independent consultant to becoming an employee of SRI. Um, I mean, I'm committed to this organization and this to this team. They are very supportive. Um, um, we are a small team because our, uh, you know, we have to wear different hats. But I like the space that I'm in um, in this organization. I like being in a position of um, providing. Um, oversight for the technology needs or for the HR team and where it fits in the organizational structure, working with my um, partners in IT, the leaders in IT and in the um, technology um, area in the organization. 
as well as working with the HR divisions and you know our HR leaders. Um, uh, I always say um, I touch all parts of HR except the employee relations piece. Um, that is not my area of expertise at all, and I don't want to grow there. Um, that's not my interest. Uh, but um, you know, I consider myself as being an advocate for. Um, you know, um, the organization as such, the big picture, looking at what's right for the organization, what's the right solution for the organization. It differs from organization to organization, you know, um, it's entirely a flip. Um, for me, it was a big growth coming from a for-profit fintech organization to a non-profit organization. The whole budget structure and you know funding structure, everything is very very different. So I'm still learning. I'm five years counting and still learning the ins and outs of how to be successful. But I think I'm getting better each day. Um, so that's kind of where I've grown into this. Um, it's pretty unique. There's a lot of people look at my um, my resume and say, okay, so you have a degree in education. Why are you in HR? Um, I consider that as well, you know, I had the opportunity in a path and I had a vision at, as a youngster in my, um, that what I wanted to do is a direction that I wanted to take. And along the way, uh, I've changed my perception, but what I've learned is what I've learned. And I still believe um, as a senior member of the team, I believe in, um, I pay a lot of uh, importance to uh, mentorship and uh, growing future generations and kind of, um, you know, in, so from that perspective, the teacher in me comes out every so often. Um, and, you know, organization skills, you, you learn skills and, um, you know, um, and I guess uh, tricks uh, of the trade in different, uh, along the way as you mature. And um, I haven't lost anything. I still, um, a part of me, um, my um, undergraduation was in chemistry and my uh, PhD was in science education. So I do have a little bit of a science and technology in my um, head. <laughs> so um, I geek out a little bit when I uh, read about SRI researchers, uh, uh, science, scientific research papers and publications and things like that. And I, um, I, I, I associate a little bit mentally, not you know, not in any way research-wise, but I can understand um, uh, to the next level some of the terminologies and things because it comes back to me from my prior life, uh, as with the you know in my chemistry uh, and um, other education, you know, <laughs> terminologies. Uh, that, that's indeed an incredible journey. <laughs> so, so to be honest, I had to, to write down some stuff because I, I, uh, perhaps it would, would be hard to follow afterwards. Um, but it's it's uh, super interesting. And um, well, as you said, so um, well, the your your starting point as a teacher and now being being a mentor, uh, being being a coach to your team members, um, um, that is uh, probably quite. Uh, quite useful to have this background in how to well how to, how to educate rather than just how to tell people what to do 
Definitely. It's a communication. So I, I consider education as taking people from point A and, and guiding them to point B. So you have a starting point, um, giving directions as you assume everybody else is in the same phase to start. And then you want all of them to move to the next phase altogether, like a, you know, batch to, uh, I don't, I, I kind of tailor my communication and tailor my uh, expectations to the individual folks, to where they are, to, uh, and to me, that is the biggest part of mentorship, to understanding the baseline, mm -hmm. setting a baseline and coming to an understanding and co having constant communication uh, with your uh Ment uh, mentees <laughs> and uh, understanding where they want to take their mm -hmm. career. You know, it's not us guiding them blindly to where I want them to go. It is where they want to take their career and um, and how to help them achieve what they want to do. And in, there are some times when, um, you know, it, it might even mean that um, it might not happen in this organization. I've had those, not in my current role, but in my prior role, I've come up on situations where, hey, their expectation is not going to be met in this organization. So let me help you come up with where you can meet what you need, um, you know, or or is that even the right expectation or can sometimes come up with the right expectation, especially young folks who are coming straight out of college um, who um, have uh, sometimes have unrealistic expectations or have expectations that are not theirs it's kind of inherited from wherever their experience of growing up in like their school their friends their families the people that surround them whatever you know so everybody has uh untapped potential so uh my um goal is to um set everyone to be successful um, in what they do. And when everyone's successful in where they are and what they do, the team will be successful, the organization will be successful, and everyone will have a certain amount of sense of satisfaction. And, and you know, and when you have a satisfaction, you want to perform at a higher level. And when you perform at a higher level, your productivity is better. They're all interdependent and intertwined. So I um, I do believe um, understanding that uh, you know just because I have a degree in education I don't treat my folks as kids <laughs> they are adults. <laughs> it's, it's very very good to know indeed. Um, uh, Shikani, I think you I think what you mentioned about well learning to code. Um, starting your HR career very much in the HR um in, in the HR tech world. Um how does that influence your decisions today and how important is technology in the HR space for you? So I think the HR space technology is very important and because it eliminates if you have the right technology and the right correctly configured or appropriately configured technology, it could eliminate a lot of noise and and reduce a lot of, um, you know, uh, unnecessary manual um, mm -hmm. repetitive work. Um, so um, the funny part about technology that supports an operation as opposed to a technology that supports manufacturing is in the operations at the end of the day, when you don't, when you are not an important part of discussion, then you've done your job well. Like for example, 
if nobody is talking about, oh, this went wrong or this was difficult to do, this, this step of processing was difficult to do, or this messed up and I had to go and clean up in the platform, those things are not productive at the operational level. You want operations to function smoothly. So the least people talk about is about the technology that they are working with or they're quote unquote struggling with, that's the best place to be in. Whereas in the manufacturing uh, or in the productivity area, not in the operations area, technology actually leads, right? I mean, you wanna implement technology to get new things done. Whereas in the operations, you wanna make, implement technology to make things easier of what you have to do, like the compliant work and um, the things that you have to do in the HR area. So um, I, uh, it's really hard um, to quantify and uh, say, okay, these are the improvements. We are constantly, I challenge my team. Let's make continuous improvement, continuous optimization. And you know, data has to be reliable. It has to be clean. But those are all expectations. So when we accomplish those, they are not celebrated as wins, mm -hmm. right? They are like, oh yeah, that's what you're supposed to do. You're keeping a clean HR data. That's what you're expected to do. But there are, it's not an easy thing to accomplish across the board and have a consistency. So, um, and the technology actually helps with that consistency, takes away the error, people error. And we are able to configure, build rules in the technology. And if you have the right technology for your organization and the right people managing the technology, then the error uh, is limited. It's not ever eliminated, but we are also, you know, it is limited to the best that we can. And we are able to focus more on, um, you know, making uh, like our HR business partners and our benefits business partners focus on their HR and benefits business areas as opposed to uh, battling with, oh, the data is wrong, so I have to go in and do something in, you know, uh, in the data corrected, spending a good part of their time. So um, that, I think from that perspective, technology is uh, important, relevant, because it provides a consistency across the board. And in this new world of DEI and in the new world of AI, um, uh, AI is a beast by itself, but in the DEI, at least we are able to kind of measure certain metrics um, and take away our people's, um, you know, people's uh, prejudices uh, to a certain extent. Uh, limit, uh, we can always eliminate it, but definitely limit it or highlight when one exists um, and put in corrective measures or uh, compensatory measures. And those are all possible um if the technology is available and if it's used appropriately and in a, by the appropriate folks and uh, and with the actions action plan for a design for um, things like that to be elevated and brought into uh, focus, um, AI we're still learning <laughs> how it's going to impact. It's already impacting um, in different ways um, how we. Um, do our day-to-day uh, -day job in, in HR. It's pretty impactful in, um, I guess, in, um, you know, in the recruiting world because um, it makes the actual interviewing process a little bit more challenging because you do not know 
up until you actually meet face to face or Zoom to Zoom in the person, if um, you are hearing from that person or not, it's pretty scary. Yeah. You can go into chat GPT and put in any question and brings up, spits out a response for you. That's wonderful. <laughs> it's not wrong, but it's not the, per but it doesn't give an in-depth understanding of the, per the person that's spitting out that information. They're, um, you know, does it give a good evaluation of where they are content knowledge wise? Uh, it, it it's it's a little challenging. Uh, mm. I'm pretty sure uh, it you know I've heard in the education field where it's challenging for teachers to evaluate um, students' project work and things mm. like that. Um, uh, you know, um, so uh, it it is getting. Uh, we have to get a little bit smarter um, and get stay on top of the technology to make sure that the technology does not take us down a path that is um that at the end of the day causes more harm than good for um for the human race so um it's a constant evaluation and indeed and what, what i uh, what, what you said about um how to measure the impact of um technology in the hr uh, in the hr sphere is i think super interesting given um well as I said, so in manufacturing, it's actually pretty obvious. So, or not pretty obvious, but but you can kind of measure, right? So, if you introduce software update, uh, let's say in a kind of a manufacturing environment, and you reduce, um, well, the scrap metal or whatever um, by by a certain amount, you can very easy measure. Okay. Um, this software improvement or this new software has uh, provided us with savings to the amount of X. Well, in the space of HR, it's much less tangible in many ways. So what are my savings? Uh, does the, um, the recruitment uh, or the recruiting uh, quality increase? So that's uh, the, the causality is much harder to, uh, to, to calculate, I guess. It is. It is. Um... It gets really difficult because at the end of the day, uh, especially an organization like ours, when we have a specific need for a resource, um, we want someone, let's say, with a PhD in, in you know, nuclear scientists uh, with a certain <laughs> background, certain specialization is able to come in and uh, either bring uh, projects and work at SRI and grow their project and you know establish themselves or are able to come and fit in. So when you're looking at that kind of very specified specific skill sets, um, which is which is a lot for us, a um, lot of focus for us. So it gets a little um we don't um we do have we have to find people that are a close fit who's coming to mm -hmm. kind of come in and um mold themselves to SRIs and contribute to SRIs projects um, or are able to come in and lead uh, or able to come in and start something new, you know, uh, in a way. I, I don't know. So it gets challenging. And um, in that, we, we have, we also want to maintain metrics to make sure we have a good, um, you know, um, across the board, uh, uh, good balance of folks from various socioeconomic mm -hmm. um, backgrounds and 
uh, it's it does get challenging, but we have a really, really great talent acquisition team led by a wonderful leader who has a strong focus in bringing the best resource. Mm -hmm. If you look at our uh, board of directors, um, you know, um, we have a really diverse group um, leading our board. Um, and uh, it's it, it's not like many other organizations. It's pretty unique. Um, so um, there is uh, there is uh, uh, importance laid to the uh, diversity from top down. Um, the growth could be slower. Uh, you know, it's going to be year over year. We can't make a switch overnight. Um, mm-hmm. Even if we identify an issue, it takes time to identify that mm-hmm. if there is a problem, where the problem is, and trying to figure out a solution that we can implement for the problem. And as we are doing that, the world is changing too. So it keeps shifting, right? Our goalposts keep shifting. So we have to be pretty agile in our um, in, in our presence um, in trying to react appropriately, but at the same time, plan out for the future. So you have to be able to predict. Um, we help, we have a pretty good um, designed dashboard of data um, that we provide for our various um, you know, slices and dicing of data for our, um, you know, um, from our recruiting to retention to talent uh, profiles to, uh, you know, promotions to anything across the board, um, our distribution um, of folks to constantly, you know, look at that as one of the factors that we focus on. It cannot be a single factor. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it is one of the important factors that we focus on when we make certain key decisions, um, be it promotions or hiring or, or uh, retention or um, anything else that's related to people's career. Um, all the while, we also have to uh, make sure that any decisions we make has a positive impact on our overall um you know, um, mission, which is to make um, innovations that impact society at large, <laughs> which is our driving mission, right? Um, so um, it does get complex, but we are up to the challenge. Awesome. I think those are amazing closing remarks, Shanti. Thank you so much for, uh, well, telling us so much about SRI, telling us so much about the impact of technology and obviously, well, being very positive when it comes to the outlook. Thank you so much. Thank you for the opportunity and best wishes to you. Thanks. And well, all of you, thanks a lot for listening in. I'm sure you had a great time listening to what Shanti said. Thanks a lot and see you next time. 